This is an RNZ podcast. I had that small gasp, my breath taken away slightly when the Prime Minister started speaking just then. So just to reiterate, uh, Auckland heading into alert level three as of midnight tonight and the rest of the country heading into alert level two until midnight on Wednesday with 24-hour reviews. So the first one will be tomorrow afternoon. Uh, normal programming is going to be... That was Reverend Frank Ritchie, the self-styled news media chaplain, on his show Sunday at 6 on News Talk ZB last Sunday. And he and his co-host Jax Van Buren weren't the only ones who had their breath taken away by news of the sudden change in alert levels that night. In fact, soon after that, ZB ditched some of its normal programming for the night to keep the talkback lines open for the listeners who might just feel the need to talk. This, for me, is where talkback comes into its own. The chance that you get to express that pain uh, on the air, I think, is really valuable. So thank you for being vulnerable. Thank Mm. you for showing other people that that's the situation that people around the country are in. That as many of us go, oh, it's only a few days, that there are those for whom that few days feels devastating. So thank you, Cathy. And again, keep calling Talkback. Use it as as a chance to stay connected. And the first caller to Sunday at 6 after that, Cathy, at first responded as if the lockdown announcement hadn't happened. Hi, um, I just want to comment on the previous caller who said something about she went six weeks without a pension. But soon after, it was pretty clear Cathy hadn't really called ZB to talk about that other caller's pension. I've got a husband in a rest home who's mm. an amputee, and now I'm going to him every day for the last eight months he's been in the rest home. I've, I've visited him for five hours. I go to him and I stay with him every day. But mm. you know what? I can't go tomorrow now. Oh, Kathy. <laughs> it's the hardest thing in the world when you've been married. Mm. He gave me a Valentine's card day today and he made it out of a piece of paper. The next caller up on News Talk ZB also had quite a story to tell. I'm just in a bit of a state of shock at the moment because uh, actually I found out uh, all uh, right before the announcement, a few hours before, that I'm like a third-hand contact to the people who have COVID at the moment. And with some callers clearly feeling anxious, it was perhaps appropriate that when normal programming did resume again, it was with ZB's long-running mental health show also getting pretty creative with its theme tune. And welcome to the Nutters Club, the show that talks about your mental health every Sunday night and Monday morning and tries to see if we can't give you a bit of a helping hand. Wow. We might need to do a bit of helping hands tonight. Because that's right, we're in lockdown, baby. How, how long to go? What is it? It's uh, 11, 11.08. We've yeah, got 52 about minutes. 52 minutes to lockdown. However, with the lines open that night, both before and after the Nutters Club show, some fairly nutty ideas were being aired on ZB as well. well so you reckon, what do we do, Shady? Declare war on China? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that sounds like a great idea, Shady. Brilliant. I'll tell you what, if we do, that'll solve the COVID problem. We'll be fried to a crisp. Uh, David, good evening. Jesus, Miles, do you get some Nutters? What, man? Now, another thing that got people going on talkback that night was reports of panic buying breaking out, again, in and around Auckland, tracked on radio news bulletins and captured by TV news cameras dispatched to local countdowns. And back on News Talk ZB, caller Joan 
wasn't sympathetic. It's madness. It's crazy. Absolute it's crazy. madness. I know. And, and I wonder just how long that lasts or whether it goes rotten. They uh, might just... I hope it, it does alone. go rotten. I hope they get their flowers full of weevils, Joan. And there was also not much sympathy about for those trying to get out of Auckland in a hurry that night, threatening to defeat the purpose of the looming lockdown. And that was what prompted Cameron to call ZB from somewhere in South Waikato to say plenty of people had been coming his way. Yeah, I've had three phone calls and texts already, Cameron, and now you confirming it as well. I wonder, I mean, surely everyone's not coming down just to see you. While it was a fascinating evening to be listening into Talkback Radio, news websites also went into overdrive on what's normally their slowest time of the week. Even before the announcement last Sunday night, news hub site was asking its audience, should we change alert level? And 43% of nearly 4,000 people responding said, no, the country should stay at level one. Meanwhile, subscription service Business Desk rolled out the ominous lead headline, did we just stop summer? Though for many last weekend, it felt like the weather had stopped summer all by itself. And the spin-off went into rolling live updates below a striking image of the Auckland skyline, silhouetted not against the night sky, but a backdrop of of the yellow and white COVID alert coloured stripes. That night, the media were also quick to seize on the swift responses of opposition politicians. Judith Collins' call, for example, for a rock-solid border was rebutted by newsroom.co.nz's political editor Joe Moyer soon after. A rock-solid border is a wonderful idea, but not a realistic one. When COVID-19 can be spread by a lift button or a rubbish bin lid, but people travelling in the same car as an infected person don't contract the virus, it makes it difficult to truly understand the virus's behaviour. And all the more so when it emerged that this time the strain was the more contagious one from the UK. Meanwhile, on the Herald site, political editor Audrey Young said the success or otherwise of the government strategy could only really be judged in the rearview mirror, meaning sometime in the future when we know how it's all panned out. And that drew immediate but very unfair scorn on social media for undermining the effort. That same night, ACT's leader David Seymour was quoted as saying that the person in question appeared to have gone two weeks without being tested as an MIQ worker, though she wasn't an MIQ worker working airside at all. But at the crack of dawn the next day on News Talk ZB's early edition, Kate Hawksby was reading aloud old Facebook posts from David Seymour because they'd been sent in by a listener. Uh... A few weeks ago, uh, on David Seymour's Facebook page, it was suggested that Jacinda had advised that it was okay for New Zealand to wait for the vaccine as we're not in much need of it. She's therefore responsible for all the carnage that will again occur to many business owners in Auckland. How long would it take to vaccinate 5 million or so? A few days if they set up stations using the electoral roll. Good luck to anyone vaccinating the nation in days armed only with the electoral roll. But these latest community cases did prompt experts to call for changes in the way the MIQ system works, the testing regime itself, and even the established system of lockdown levels and how they're deployed. And all of it was pretty well canvassed by the news media. For example, on Decision Day last Wednesday, three senior journalists at Stuff wrote an explainer on why the UK variant makes an outbreak more likely. And Thomas Coughlin of Stuff wrote about the response to COVID being not simply a case of following science. The same day, Newsroom's Mark Dalder wrote about the risks of leaving Level 3 in Auckland without knowing the chain of transmission, while the RNZ Newsroom podcast The Detail looked back at exactly why the government pulled the trigger on lockdown last Sunday. And there was plenty more in other outlets too. 
And while experts appeared on radio and TV to make the point all the while that the virus is dynamic and so then are the circumstances of each new outbreak, some broadcasters with a platform simply repeated the same reckons. On Monday morning, for example, Duncan Garner kicked off his AM show on three, trying to be upbeat while at the same time not. Uh, chin up, um, we can do this. I'm hoping it's a short three-day lockdown, as you probably are too, but experience tells us we crash hard into these lockdowns and it takes time to get out the other side. Stay positive. It's worked before it should again. Don't panic buy. Supermarkets are stocked and open. Re- relax. But when the news came through, I yelped, bugger. It has always been a tricky virus. Yeah, I'm not that good at lockdowns. I, I like people and, like you, I worry as well. We are going to be okay. It's a relief. I worry for businesses. I worry for jobs, and this will do nothing for business confidence. It's a strange pep talk that starts with chin up and then gets to businesses may now fail within 30 seconds. But having made it clear how he felt, he turned to the show's efforts to find out how we feel with yet another online poll. Our question of the day, Mm. how are you feeling about the alert level change? We've got a few options up there. Happy, sad, scared, angry. Interesting. Really, there's a lot of angry people out there. Fifty-one percent people are angry. um, Half the half the country. (laughs) And I would tell you the rest. Well, happy is twenty-four. Happy is twenty-four. Sad is twenty, and scared is five. We're not that scared. There's not many scared people. I think that's a good. Yes, but we're angry. Now, News Hub's poll didn't show that half the country was angry. About 4,500 people voted this time, the majority for options other than angry. But if a substantial number of the AM show's fans who could be bothered answering the question of the day were mad, well, why? Uh, borders and COVID, Duncan, this is from Mark. Please tell New Zealand why our borders have to remain open. So many are angry that our borders are not closed, at least for a time. Are you angry because our borders remain open? Feedback at the amshow.co.nz. That's interesting, isn't it? So mm. 51% saying angry. Maybe they're angry, angry. because we're not going harder. Nobody's mm-hmm. saying this for months. Just temporarily close mm. the border. And man, people come down on me. Maybe they're, maybe they're coming my way. It was indeed not the first time that Duncan Garner had called for a complete closure of our border, and he did it again in the opening editorial of his show that day, like this. It baffles me. To me, hard and early would see us close the borders, actually. I've said it before. Here it is again. Close the border temporarily to all the cargo. Even cargo, even. Not all cargo, but some cargo. And the most essential arrivals. Carry on freely inside the border. We can't keep doing it the same way. Now, Duncan Garner isn't the only one who thinks that about our border. And when one person put that question to the official Unite to Fight COVID-19 Facebook page, she got this prompt response. The right of return is outlined in the New Zealand Bill of Rights Act. Number one, everyone lawfully in New Zealand has the right to freedom of movement and residence in New Zealand. Number two, every New Zealand citizen has the right to enter New Zealand. Number three, everyone has the right to leave New Zealand. And for good measure, that response also said that the same rights are set out in Magna Carta and the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, Article 13, which says everyone has the right to leave any country, including their own, and to return to their own. They could also have added that people also pass through New Zealand to transit to other countries and don't actually go into quarantine here at all. And you can't easily opt out of that if you still need airlines, including our own, to operate internationally, which we do. Over on News Talk ZB, Mike Hosking had been arguing for weeks for plans to open the borders because he says the virus can't be stopped and lockdowns can't go on. And soon after, on Monday, Mike Hosking took the mic at News Talk ZB to tell his listeners all about how he felt. Adern is Andrews. Andrews is Adern. They're afraid. They are governed by fear and caution. They are control freaks. I text several people in the news industry and ask them to call it. They call it wrong. 
they too are asleep, having taken the complacency pill. But here's the thing, the important thing. Vaccine or no vaccine, we are stuck with this. The reality is a handful of cases locks a place down. We have not progressed one step in 12 months. But the other important thing Mike Hosking didn't mention there is that the virus has moved on in the past year and we were dealing now with a more infectious version, which means this wasn't just a repeat of the last lockdown in August 2020 or America cold all over again, as Mike Hosking reckoned last Monday. It's not eliminated, otherwise we wouldn't be sitting here being locked down yet again. And this is part of the dishonesty with all of this. There was no elimination. And then you've got, and, and, and isn't this funny how news travels so quickly, what were we celebrating to a degree on Friday? Vaccine arrives. So what were we thinking would happen with the vaccine? Oh, we, life would be back to normal. Nothing of the sort. The, the border, the first thing the Prime Minister said with the vaccine arriving is, I don't think the border's opening. So, well, hold on, is the vaccine the, the answer or not? Well, of course not the answer. It's never going to be the answer. If you're old and frail, it'll stop you dying. But apart from that, you're still going to get locked down in level three with cases like this. This is our problem. So the big question is, what's the plan? Now there, Mike Hosking made the vaccine's arrival sound like an irrelevance because it won't mean swift opening of the borders. Now it's true that hopes new vaccines could rapidly usher in herd immunity have receded, but the vaccine could still reduce the risk of further transmission in the foreseeable future and get borders open to countries in a similar position sooner without the need for lockdowns if the virus gets through. A couple of years ago, Mike Hosking had a second gig in the evenings, hosting and airing his opinions on TVNZ's Seven Sharp show. And on Tuesday, its audience got a more neutral read on the vaccine's arrival from the show's current hosts. The race to immunise the entire country against COVID-19 is looming. The vaccination rollout will be New Zealand's biggest ever. And that's some operation to get jabs administered to the entire team of five million. With the country's border workers gearing up to be the first in line, starting from Saturday. Are the vaccines here? Are we ready for this rollout? Kind of. <laughs> I think. I think we. You know, we we're in a reasonably good position to to manage what we've got at the moment. And the day before that, Seven Sharp delivered news you could use by telling TVNZ viewers what the CT threshold was all about. A cycle threshold value is a figure indicating how much of the COVID-19 virus someone has. When you take a test, scientists copy the sample again and again to see if they can detect the virus. The CT value is the number of rounds of copying it takes for the virus to show up. A small amount of virus will take more cycles to show up. But if the patient has lots of the virus, it'll show up quickly. Meanwhile, that same night on Māori television, current affairs show Te Ao with Moana confronted vaccination anxiety and misinformation with Māori medical experts. Now, vaccines are not a magic bullet, but they are a really important layer of protection. However, some of us still feel anxious about immunisation, me included, so I asked Dr Rawiri Jansen for help. He's a GP and the chair, co-chair of Te Ropu Whakakaupapa Uruta, the independent coalition of Māori public health experts. Dr Rawiri Jansen explained how the vaccine could be rolled out tactically so those in greatest need of it would get it earlier. And Moana Mania Poto raised the tricky question of whether Māori as a whole should be nearer the head of the queue and also the elevated hesitancy among Māori. But I don't think it takes looking very far on social media or, you know, people who you know to touch someone who has a degree of vaccine hesitancy and that is probably born out of mistrust and fear of institutions for which they've 
never really engaged with in the past or they haven't had good engagements with. So that's where it's our job, to build that trust with those people. And as if to make that point, almost all of the 200-odd comments on the Facebook page of Te Ao with Moana came from fearful people insisting they won't take the vaccine for a number of outlandish and mostly ill-informed reasons. Now, some accused the programme of outright lies and deception on the issue, though a few people said that having heard the experts, their fears had actually been eased. And that mirrored a programme which went out in the UK that same night, the BBC's flagship current affairs show, Panorama. This is all a lie, it's COVID-19. From protesters on the streets... DNA-altering ...to doctors on video. COVID-19, the greatest hoax in history. I'm Mariana Spring, the BBC's specialist reporter on disinformation and social media. Tonight, the video spreading fear. It sounded so real, and the people were so plausible. I hear from the communities being targeted by anti-vaccine tactics. Now, in this programme, the BBC's reporter dedicated to online misinformation, Mariana Spring, exposed a group of people in the vaccination queue to one widely watched anti-vax video with one respected expert on hand to answer their questions. And the programme ended like this. Protester Joanna, because of her job as a carer, has now had the vaccine. Helen is also having the vaccine. She feels she has a responsibility to those she might work with in the future. Sarita, after speaking to a doctor she trusts, is planning to have the jab. Her family have now had theirs. And Rosemary has made up her mind after we told her the truth about the video. How are you feeling about having the vaccine today? Absolutely. So pleased, I can't (laughs) even say. Relieved. More than 15 million people in the UK have so far been vaccinated. It's the one part of the country's response which appears to have gone to plan. But here, it's just getting started, and so too has the anti-COVID vaccination campaign. In breach of Level 3 rules on Monday, a small band of anti-vaxxers protested outside Jacinda Ardern's electorate office while a neighbour drowned out their chants with heavy metal. And that same day, Magic Talk radio host Peter Williams, under fire for amplifying vaccine fears last week, made this point to a caller. And now we've got to the stage, Bruce, where we have way, way more people who are communications professionals working for the government and working for local authorities than work in the media industry. In fact, I'd suggest that the ratio of people employed as communications professionals, unquote, in uh, government agencies and in local authorities would be... It would be three to four times the number of people who still work as reporters in the media industry. It may be even bigger. Well, Peter Williams isn't wrong about that, and at times the government PR people and journalists have butted heads about exactly what ought to be brought to public attention. But when it comes to the facts about COVID-19 outbreaks, lockdowns and vaccines, the goal of the PR people and the journalists is pretty much one and the same. On Wednesday, the day the government went back down a level, it also launched a new drive to get people the facts about the vaccine in the hopes of persuading people to ignore fears that are going viral online, which aren't based on science and are being pushed by a vocal minority. How that goes will be a big part of New Zealand's COVID-19 story when we look back in that rearview mirror in the months and years to come.